Broadcasting live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, deep inside the secret bee cave, it's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. He's Blank, I'm Branham. Where do you rank C.J. Stroud relative to quarterbacks in the NFL? Um, right now I'd say conservatively 10 to 12 range. Okay. Joe? As they're playing or just big picture? Just right now. I guess you can, uh, I mean, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, I guess. Like, I, I'm ranking this based on how they're playing, their their current form. It's like, just so uh, hard because it's really a Joe Burrow yeah, thing. Yeah, like to me, I'm not, I'm not going to reward Joe Burrow for the back of his baseball card. He's been lousy in the first four weeks of the season. I can't put him in my top ten. I can't. Like, this is a power ranking. This is where what you're doing for me lately. I think that Joe Burrow is a really good quarterback. I think he's hurt. I think their offensive line's a mess. I think that team is in disarray. Joe Burrow's not playing to a top 10 quarterback level through four weeks of the NFL season. I'd probably have him, I think, nine. Okay. Uh, he's in my top 10. Like, I have him within, I have him in my top nine. It's a single digit number whenever I'm looking at CJ Stroud. Blankers has him with a double digit number between 10 and 12. You said in the top. I have a nine. Ninth overall. Okay. I'm willing to go as high as number eight with C.J. Stroud. The 33rd team has him as the 17th-ranked quarterback right now. I tweeted earlier at Jeremy Branham how disrespectful that is. Quite frankly, it is disrespectful. Where do you have C.J. Stroud relative to other quarterbacks in the NFL? 713-780-3776. He said, I'm from Columbus and a huge Buckeye fan. I thought C.J. would be good, but he's been better than I ever thought. I would rank his play so far as top 10 for sure, but it's too early to rank him as a player in the top 10 QBs. I, I don't like that logic, quite frankly. I don't like well, it's too early because that's kind of soft to me. Like, it's, well, you know, he just hasn't done it enough, so I'm not willing to say how good he, quite frankly, is. Where were you? Like, where was this conversation with Pat Mahomes? Like, Pat Mahomes, I understand he set out his rookie year, didn't play his rookie season, but we didn't know what he was going to look like in his second year. Like, did you have this same slow roll approach, like crowning Patrick Mahomes? Like, we see what C.J. Stroud is capable of. C.J. Stroud's doing things on a football field that quarterbacks outside of the top 10, quite frankly, can't do. I have C.J. Stroud is number eight on my list. I have him behind, and this is in no particular order. I have him behind Mahomes. I have him behind Tua. I have him behind Josh Allen. I have him behind Herbert. I have him behind Lamar Jackson, which maybe is a conversation to be had. I have him by Jalen Hurts. Actually, I have him seventh. I have I have C.J. Stroud as my seventh best quarterback in the NFL. Okay. I mean, and realistically, because of if we're doing this on how he's playing right now and how he's played through the quarter point of the season, he deserves to be there. I, I think that he's impressed the hell out of me. He, he's, he's absolutely made me a believer when I had, ser- I, I won't say serious doubts, but I had doubts. I had doubts because they didn't show any conviction in w- what they were going to do at the top of the draft. You know, a lot of people felt very disappointed the way that, you know, Bryce Young was out of the equation. And, and, and he's coming in and, and proving everybody wrong. He looks to be every bit of your franchise quarterback. And I think that when you're looking at guys that have underperformed, it's easy to say that his performance speaks for itself on a level to where you guys are probably both right and I'm probably both wrong, that he legitimately, just based on play through four games, should be a top-10 quarterback. I see some guys there that, you know, you look at and you go, well, I still still think he's got some things to learn. I know how high the ceiling is. But it's it's realistic to say somewhere between 8 and Eight and ten is probably accurate. I think so too. The, the two guys that I think that are on my list, Jeremy, that weren't on yours, that I'm going to go based on record. One of them doesn't have the touchdowns 
uh, necessarily in the yards, but I think Brock Purdy's been really impressive this I'm year. Not gonna, I'm not putting Purdy ahead of Stroud, though. I, I'm probably not either, but that's where I said nine because like, the first thing mm-hmm. was like, well, the 49ers are 4 0, and then the interceptions are much higher. Not much higher, but Goff has been really good this year, too, so far for Detroit. So, like, if you're going just based off how they're playing this season, I think CJ's been better than those guys. But, like, if you're going to factor in wins, it's hard to put him in front of them. You also got to factor the team that they're on. Like, you put CJ Stroud on a Detroit Lions team that's further along than the Houston Texans. I think. Yeah, what do they do? They they probably have at least the same amount of victories. You put CJ Stroud the one he's playing. Yeah, but I I mean, I think that Stroud would have three wins with Detroit as well. Would Goff have two wins with the Texans? That's a little bit more debatable, I probably, think. I think probably, I don't know. I mean, Sloak's been impressive, and I think Goff would thrive in a situation like this, too. <clears throat> I like Stroud like, more. I, like, I did, too. I think Goff has a stronger arm. I think he's like fastball. Like, you line two guys up and look at the fastball between the two. I think Goff has a little bit more zip. Not a lot. Not a lot. A little bit. But Stroud's more accurate. Stroud's a lot more elusive. Stroud is more, you know... Uh, well, and Goff he's makes, a better athlete. And, and Goff, I, honestly, I think he makes better decisions. Yeah, say so Goff makes throws every game that you kind of put your hands in your head and you're just like, what is this guy doing? I, like he he makes those throws. You're like you're never going to be a friend. You're never going to be a guy that makes thirty no, forty no, million dollars I mean, again. I mean, and Goff was good. Goff went to a Super Bowl. Goff's going to be a playoff quarterback this year. I think Goff's top twelve quarterback in the NFL. I don't think Jared Goff is the dude that you give him the football and you're like, this guy's gonna go win me football games on his own. You gotta build up around him. And I think he's capable of delivering. I think he can be kind of precise at times. I think he's a nice piece to a really good team. I don't think if you put Jared Goff on a bad team that he's capable of being a postseason quarterback. And you guys know I'm not a believer in Jared Goff, and I think he's gotten better, and he's overcome some of the things that was a knock on him early in his career. See, I think he's always been the same guy. He went to a Super Bowl pretty early in his career. He did, but, you know, they said McVay, again, was doing a lot to help him out, and McVay, uh, um, and, and McVay was reading defenses for him and doing a lot of things, and then the, the defensive coordinators picked up on that. But, but he's I doing th- the same thing now He's got, Johnson. He's gotten better. And and look, what he's doing with Detroit has been impressive. The fact, because I didn't think he had it in him. But I think when you look at it the same way, if we're going to give um, CJ his flowers and say where he is, it's hard to punish Purdy because Purdy, to me, you know, one incompletion last week, and the fact that you know it's the job you're being asked to do. It's in the, the system does matter, and and so if Purdy's not asked to do too much or try and win it on his own or put it all on his shoulders. But he's doing everything asked of him, and he's executing, and they're undefeated. Mm-hmm. I think he should be in the top ten too. But I, I don't disagree that he should be in the top ten or looked at in the top ten. There's just no way I'm putting Brock Purdy ahead of C.J. Stroud, and I'm, I'm a Brock Purdy guy. I think Brock Purdy's severely underrated. But if they traded spots, I think C.J. Stroud looks equal to what Brock Purdy looks like in San Francisco, if not better. And I think Brock Purdy looks a lot worse in Houston than what C.J. Stroud ha- has looked at. Quite frankly, uh, the conversation that I've had with some of my uh, some of my friends is the Dak Prescott thing. Like you pick right now, who gives you a better chance to win football games? All things equal, because let's not put the Houston Texans roster, the other fifty-two guys versus the other fifty-two guys for the Cowboys. Ceteris paribus, all things are equal. Who gives you a better chance to win a football game right now? C.J. Stroud or Dak, Pre- I Dak Prescott? I'm taking C.J. Definitely, I'm taking C.J. He's the- got better touch, for, without a question. And the, the biggest knack on uh, knock on Dak is. Is that, you know, when you're playing these kind of these weak opponents that they played early in the season and they're in blowout games, he can load it up on statistics. He can do what he needs to do. In crunch time, it's a different story. Can he execute in big moments? Can he be the guy that, like you're talking about, puts a team on his shoulders and carries them? And so far to this point, I don't think he can. And I think that what we've seen in a short sample size of CJ Stroud as an NFL quarterback shows that he's already got what it takes to read defenses and 
audible and, and you know and go through his progressions and you know not try and do too much and take big losses. And I don't see as much out of Dak. I see Dak was the guy who was trying to do it with his legs. He was extending plays too. And for that, I give C.J. Stroud a, a huge advantage. Rare candy. L- Lamar does not throw with anticipation. I-, I thought long and hard about C.J. versus Lamar. I can't quite put C.J. past Lamar quite yet. Uh, maybe it is a little back of baseball card, but Lamar's played well this year, too. Lamar hasn't been a bad quarterback by any stretch of the imagination this year. Uh, Cap says top seven already. Three question marks. Hasn't had to play a big moment. And then four letters. Okay, that's fair. He hasn't had like a game-winning drive or anything like that, but I have confidence that he could lead a game-winning drive. It's not equal to a game-winning drive, but go look at that two-minute drill the uh, the end of the first half against Pittsburgh where a defensive-minded head coach with a lead called a timeout deep into your own field position and you trust a rookie quarterback to guide you down the field. Like That's trust. That is I have confidence in my rookie quarterback even though it's only his fourth game of his NFL career. I think you got to give him credit too for when Jacksonville made it a 27 27- 17 lead and then in four plays they went 75 yards and scored a touchdown and put that game to bed like yeah it's not it's not the the comeback drive but it's also it's a straw man argument when you want to say like cj Stroud hasn't been one of those moments yet because that's not i can't force that like we can't force those things to happen for cj Stroud and the texans we can't force them to be down 17 14 with two minutes left in the game like all you can do is use your eyeballs to see what's happened Jalen Hurts last year ran through the NFL without a single comeback the entire year. You don't downgrade him at quarterback because the Eagles were smoking everybody last year. Like, you can only do what's in front of you, and what C.J. Stroud has done has been very impressive. Well, you, you had a moment like that, too, in the Pittsburgh game where Pittsburgh got back into it. They made it a 16-6 game. All of a sudden, C.J. Stroud, 10-play, 58-yard drive, touchdown, 23-6. Steelers have to punt, three and out, and then the Texans go on an 11-play drive, 86-yard drive, or 86 yards, and put the game away as well. So, like, those aren't game, like, winning drives, come from behind type of situations, but those are drives where, like, hey, let's get a drive here. Let's put together a touchdown drive. That way we can secure a victory. Like, those are big moments, even though they're not, like, these walk-off game-winning scores. And he's elevating the guys around him. We said he, we thought at the start of the year he had the worst receiver room in the league, and it looks like it's totally different now, and, it, it, and a large part goes to the way he's orchestrating, putting the throws in positions and, the, and getting the guys the football. But on top of that, I'll even go back to the first drive of the Steelers game when he marched him down the field and had to score three separate times and he did it all three times a lot of times that's a tough situation for a quarterback to be in and a lot of times quarterbacks get frazzled and quarterbacks are trying to push the envelope and they're going to they're going to try and you know uh, speed it up a little bit because they're already concerned or, or bothered by the fact that they you know they had they'd lost opportunities he scored every single time you didn't settle for a field goal there you set the tone you continued to do what you were doing to get to that level of the football field and you executed all the way through the six points He's elevating players around him. And the other thing that just boggles my mind is the people that are so unwilling to accept this, that the fact that we can talk about and, and, and rave about a quarterback this early in his career as a Texan is a negative. It drives me batty because of the fact that it should be an exciting time to give this kid his early flowers. You don't know what the rest of the season holds, but you know damn sure for the first four games, he's been awfully impressive. 713-780-ESPN. Where do you put him relative to the rest of the NFL? 713-780-3776. A lot of people are scared to put him in that top 10 because they're like, oh, no, you put him in the top 10, bad things are going to happen. 713-780-3776. Don't crown him after four games, okay? Well, what if a quarterback's just that good? Like, what if a quarterback is just a top 10-level quarterback, but because you're so hesitant of putting him there, you're going to be late in the conversation. 713 
1-803-776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. You're back where you belong, in the Veritex Community Bank Studios with the Killer Bees, who won't sting you unless provoked. Here's Joel and Jeremy. Lamont says griping about Stroud not having to orchestrate a comeback drive is similar to saying uh, CJ didn't use his legs in college. He didn't have to do it. I didn't really have to do it at Ohio State. He did lead that comeback against uh, Georgia in college, and his field goal kicker kind of let him down there. Um, I like his legs. I like Stroud's legs. He can run a bit. Uh, I like that he doesn't do it, though, That's quite, quite thing. frankly. like He buys time for his receivers to get open and then gets them involved versus, okay, first option's not there, tuck and run. I don't think that's sustainable in the NFL. I, I think that the key, too, when you look at his college career and especially that Georgia game as a microcosm, everybody was questioning his toughness and could he run and, and all those things. He ran when he had to. He, he, he had that team in front and looked like the more dominant team for the majority of the game. When he got behind, he did his job to get them where they needed to go. And, and I think that's a lot, what a lot of people didn't think they would see or hadn't seen from him. And he did it right then and there for you. And, and I think, you know, shame on me for not seeing that and going, you know what? He can translate that to the NFL and he can do it as quick as he did because I just didn't think he could do it. But he's been able to do all those things and so much more. So when you look at it and you, you evaluate his skill set and then what he's been able to do with a banged-up makeshift patchwork offensive line with less than in terms of the majority of the skill position players that he has to deal with that most of the quarterbacks in this discussion in particular, you know, they have more. A- and yet he's gotten more out of every single situation. You can't sit there and say that we're going you know, to screw around and make it a tight game to see if he can handle this. This isn't the preseason. He's handled... Uh, enough stress and pressure dealing with the shortcomings of the the line and the and everything he's dealing with and found a way to win that's big 8709 i think cj is talented and exciting but i think the oc makes him look better than he really is i'd put him 11 through 15th at best i don't know if you can dock a quarterback points because their oc makes him look better though like I think that Andy Reid makes Pat Mahomes look better if Pat Mahomes played for Bill O'Brien would Pat Mahomes be Pat Mahomes I tend to doubt it, quite frankly. I think that offensive play callers bring out the best in their talent around them, especially their quarterbacks, uh, especially offensive coordinators. Like Andy Reid has made every quarterback look great. I think Pat Mahomes would be great everywhere that he played. Okay. Would Pat Mahomes be the greatest quarterback in the NFL without Andy Reid? I, I can't say that with 100 degrees certainty. He made Donovan McNabb look wonderful. He looked Mike Vick a few years after prison, the second-best player in MVP voting one year. He made Kevin Cobb tons of money. Andy Reid has a reputation of making quarterbacks look way better than they are. I'm not saying Pat Mahomes would be like the fifth quarterback if he didn't have Andy Reid, but Andy Reid absolutely makes Pat Mahomes look better. So I don't know if I can ding C.J. Stroud points because Bobby Slowick looks to be a really good O.C. You know, I, I, it's the same way in the Purdy discussion. The fact is, is you're playing the system and you're playing it while doing your job. It's what's asked of you by a coaching staff and and who's in command. And, and in most cases, it's the coach and or the offensive coordinator. I think if Patrick Mahomes goes to other places, if he plays for a McVay, if he plays for a Shanahan, if he plays for a lot of more modern, a Mike McDaniel, I think he's still gonna he's still gonna excel and be the best quarterback in the NFL. But Randy, Andy Reid is considered to be an offensive genius, so the pairing was great. But you look at it and see what Jalen Hurts did a year ago. System matters because Shane Steichen took a Jalen Hurts and built a, a, along you know with, with his head coach built an offensive system to completely capitalize on his skill set and his abilities and maximized it to the utmost and then he did it and he started to do it with Richardson and Indy we saw it firsthand system matters coaching matters 
There are coaches that get it in this new modern, you know, kind of offensive NFL football and others that don't. But you are you're only going to do what your coaches ask you to do in this and run the system that they they've put in place. Yeah, I think I just look at it from a uh, like it's kind of a package deal. Like that stuff is just it comes together. Like that's the production of the quarterback position. It's the quarterback himself. It's the offensive play caller. It's the skill around him. Like to me, it's just one giant package of quarterback production. Um, like Tua, I still have ahead of Stroud. I have Josh Allen ahead of Stroud. Mac Jones, absolutely not. Zach Wilson, absolutely not. I think Lamar. I still have Lamar ahead of CJ. I think some people would debate Lamar, quite frankly, because a lot of people don't believe in Lamar as a thrower of the football. Uh, I think Lamar's a little underrated in that aspect. Can he pick it? Absolutely not. CJ or Deshaun Watson? I'm taking CJ right now. I'm taking CJ too. No doubt. It's definitely CJ. He's not going to throw the ball backwards off his ass. He's not going to make mistakes. He's not going to make negative plays. He's probably going to play through an injury Ooh, well, he did in week that's two. That's where I was going. If given the opportunity and him warming up and doctors clearing him, CJ's playing in that game last week. Burrow versus Stroud's an interesting one because back a baseball card, everybody's tempted to go Burrow. Who's played better through four games? To me, it's Stroud. Who has a better future, Burrow or Stroud? Mm. I think that I, one's I, tough. Yeah, I don't know that I'm going to sit there and turn my back on Joe Burrow. Yeah, I think I think I still heavily lean Burrow. Yeah, there. I, I just think he's big game Joe. He he can he can step up when he needs to. Um, he did a lot. He, he took him further than a lot of people thought in the past. I, I would not bet against Joe Burrow at this point. I've seen a really good four weeks of C.J. Stroud. I've seen enough to, of Joe Burrow so far in his career that I believe that he's at a pretty high level. Yeah, I still think he's going to figure it out, too, but he's, you can't ignore that he's been dreadful through four games. He still shouldn't be playing. Hurt. He yeah. shouldn't be playing. You're right about that. They should protect him against himself. How about Trevor Lawrence, C.J. Stroud? I think this one's close because Trevor still makes a lot of throws that Really, only three or four guys in the NFL can. Mm-hmm. But he he just he makes a lot of mistakes. Like this is the same guy that everyone like. The comeback is incredible last year in the playoffs. We threw four picks in the first half. See, he's like, terrible. In the first I think half. it's so bad. I think it's the intangibles too. I think what CJ gets already, Trevor is still figuring out in terms of right reads, right throws, letting it go immediately, and trusting in his throws. Doing those kind of things, CJ has really been the most impressive to me in the intangibles, in the way he's been able to, you know, manipulate and matriculate through every single situation, whatever the defense gives him. I think Trevor Lawrence is still figuring that out, but ability-wise, Trevor Lawrence has everything. King of Twitch, who's better, Stroud or Manning? Uh, Stroud over Cooper and Arch. I'll say that. Um, what about? I, I think it was Stroud over Lawrence, though. By the way. I really do. Would like, you already? It, it means something to me that, that Stroud went into his place and, and beat the brakes off of him, like destroyed them. And I, I thought that Lawrence was much better than like he looked in that game, better than his box score. Now, you could also say that Richardson came into Houston and beat the brakes off C.J. Stroud, so that's fair. Well, we, he, he did. I mean, it was 14 nothing. He's two, his first two possessions he, went right down the Houston, yeah, Texas. No one touched him. I know. Like but it was like, Swiss cheese. And he looked like a man amongst boys too. He did, but I just I'm not I mean, I'm not a Richardson guy, so it just doesn't mean a lot to me. He's gonna be really good in that offense. Uh we already said Herbert Mahomes better than Stroud at this point. Jimmy G, no. I think he's better than Love. Russell Wilson at this point of his career, no. That's easy for me. Jalen Hurts, I have above him. Dak to me is gonna be an interesting debate. Like that it's popping off right now on the text line too. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. A bunch of cowboy fans are defending Dak. Uh I'm sorry. I got Stroud ahead of Dak. Sam Howell, no. Daniel Jones, no. Jared Goff is an interesting conversation. I bet you people in Detroit would say Goff. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Maybe. I wonder if Brendan would say Goff. That's an interesting one. He's better than Jordan Love. I agree with you there. Kirk Cousins. See, he's putting up good numbers again. But in terms of the, you know, 
we don't know. That's another guy you could criticize in terms of can he play big big games and big moments. He's a great regular season quarterback. I watched him. Joe, you have too. We've watched him firsthand in the division forever and a day, and you love seeing him on the other side in a big game because he's going to throw it to your guys as almost as much as he throws to his own, and he's a different quarterback. I don't believe in C.J. Stroud. Yes, he needs that kind of seasoning in the NFL, but he's played in you know national semifinals and national championship games, and he's, he's gotten a boatload of experience. He's been there, done that in, on the college level. I believe that the moment's not going to be too big for him, and he's still going to be the same player in the playoffs. It remains to be seen. I don't have that belief in in a in a, in a Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I, to me, this is more like an upside thing where I, I probably lean. I, no, probably I lean Stroud over Cousins. Fields, absolutely not. Baker, no. Ritter, no. Carr, Winston, no. Bryce, no. Purdy, we had that conversation. Gino, no. Stafford. At this I, I go, point in his I career, go, no. I, I go. I go. CJ, and then Arizona. Like, I mean, if you want to throw Kyler Murray into that mix, like, give me give me CJ Stroud. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six three four five one. CJ on a rookie contract makes him top five right now. It's a really good point. Mm-hmm. It's a really good point. AR Platinum fourth in yards, third in yards per attempt, zero interceptions, and doing it with a broken O line and no top tier receivers. Top ten. That's a good one. Here's here's something that I just I don't understand. Nine three six two. Good gravy, guys. He's played four games. When when can you start talking about a player then? Like if if we're just going to dismiss the fact that he's played incredibly well in four games, when can we start making evaluations on players? You tell us nine three six two. Do we have to wait eight games? Do we have to well, wait the the entire season? Does he need to play three years? Like how many games does a guy have to play before you can start stacking them up relative to the rest of the NFL? That's why I started doing this in week one. By the way, I never thought we'd be talking about C.J. Stroud in the top ten by the end of week four. I I. Trust me on that. But the reason that I wanted to start looking at C.J. Stroud, not versus rookies, not as he's doing as a rookie, but I wanted to see the plight of C.J. Stroud, where he's at versus other NFL quarterbacks every single week. Week one, was he 25th? Week two, was he 19th? Week four, all of a sudden we're having the conversation to top 10. It shows you the trajectory of a player. I think that you should always be grading players versus where they are relative to the league. Why? Because that is their competition. You're aspiring to be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. You're aspiring to be a team that makes the postseason. You're aspiring to be a team that wins the division or goes to a Super Bowl. How do you do that? By beating your peers. By beating people that you compete against. So I don't care if a guy's played one game, four games, seven games, 28 games. I am always comparing that player to where they stack up to the entire league. The other thing that I would say is, to the texture and to everybody else, if you were to make your best guess before the season started of the kind of stat line that that C.J. Stroud would have after four games, how many picks would you have? How many wins would you have? How, how many times would you be able to say that he led his team to a scoring drive or to a victory and did the kind of things that you expect an NFL quarterback to do? Because I think that the majority of the people, if you said you saw this coming, if you said you saw no interceptions and the kind of stat lines that he's been putting up and the yards he's been throwing for and all the things that he's been doing, you're a liar. I don't think anybody said that. I know I'm saying, but that's the way I, that's why we can be so high on the kid. Because expectations were that he was going to take his lumps. And we looked at the rest, you know, the, the, the track record of rookie quarterbacks starting in this league, too. So to sit there and, and, and for the people to question, well, well, how can you have this conversation about C.J. Stroud now? It's how he compares to the rest of the league. It's also the fact that if, you were to t- if we were to ask you and, and you were to write down on a piece of paper before the season started what you expected to see out of C.J. Stroud in four, we- in four weeks of the regular season, no one saw this come. 713-780-3776. Why the face Wednesday? Why is Joe George making faces? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.
Hey, right now, before we go to the break, I want to tell you about the good people at Doc Linville's office. Doc Linville, the best in the business at the Neograph procedure. If you don't know what it is, but you're getting pattern baldness, you're going bald, or you've already got bald spots, and you think there's nothing you can do about them, you need to figure out what the, the, the process is, what neografting is, and that Doc Linville here in Houston is the best in the business at doing it because it can be a game changer. Dare I say a lifesaver because it's going to give you confidence, you're going to feel great about your appearance again, and you're going to get your own hair back. Doc explained it to me, and I was not aware of this. Genetically, you're never going to lose the hair on the sides and the back of your head no matter how bald you get in front or back on top. Therefore, he takes some of that hair, transplants it to where you need it most, and almost immediately, you see the follicles there. They're going to start to grow. In six to nine months, you're going to see the full results, and you're going to get stronger, longer, great-looking hair that's going to be with you for the long haul. And I'm not kidding because he's taking it from a place that it never goes away. So 95 to 99% of the follicles moved are going to stay and grow and be with you for the long haul. That was what decided it for me. That's why I went through with the procedure. You can, too. And right now, because you're a listener to ESPN 97.5, you get a free consultation with Doc and his staff. It normally costs 150 bucks For you, no obligation, no money out of pocket. Just go to 975hair.com and sign up. Go in. Meet with them. Ask questions. Get answers. See if it's right for you, too. If you're next in line, you are going to be so happy you went through with the Neograft because it is a game changer. And I'm here from personal experience to tell you, I would recommend it to anyone. Check them out today. Go to 975hair.com. Anyone can have a hot take on sports. You're going to continue to be a bunch of soft, underperforming, tattooed millionaires? But that's not what these guys are about. Joel and Jeremy are real, actual human beings, guys that have lives, families, and feelings and stuff. So it's WTF Wednesday. WTF, why the face? Where these guys let you in on their non-sports interests, goals, and dare I say it, dreams. But more than likely, they're going with all of the WTF moments of the past week. It's WTF Wednesday. Why the face? With the Killer Bees. All right, he's blank. I'm Brad. I'm Joe George behind the glass. He's always making faces, especially on a Wednesday. What is making you make the most egregious faces today? Well, that fir- the first one was watching la- the uh, Brewers game last night. Hmm. And that clown, the biggest loser in all of sports. Brent Strong? Marlins, man. Oh, oh, yeah. He wasn't at the Marlins game. It's so weird. Yeah, that was bizarre. I thought about that. He was sitting next to front row Amy. And he's like, oh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, I thought the Marlins were going to be playing the Brewers, uh, so I couldn't change my ticket. For, like, for a guy who claims he's as rich as he yeah. claims to be, like, you change the, your plan. You go, the Marlins are in the playoffs. They are playing a playoff game. How, how did he not, I mean, the Marlins have been in the race all year. But even still, the regular season ended on Sunday. You could yeah. adjust your tickets. Yeah, right, he, but they were they were always in the race. Like, so he no he bought it. He, yeah. he thought the Marlins were going to be playing right, the in Milwaukee. Oh, the seating. Yeah. So he already had bought his flights, seat, escort to go there. I gotcha. And then because you, what... you guys know who Jimmy Goldstein is, right? No, Jimmy no. Goldstein is that guy that you see sitting courtside at every NBA oh, playoff the game and all that guy with he, all the clothes? yeah. He looks like oh, yeah. uh, a Rolling Stones yeah. Brody. Yeah. That if he can do it. No offense to him, and he, no slap on his intelligence, but he makes every game, two and three games in a day and night. There's no way Marlon Man couldn't have figured that out. I'm yeah. also confused by his tweet. What do you tweet? Uh, well, COVID 19 is over. No more ballpark restrictions. I'm in Milwaukee for Brewers versus D backs. <laughs> it's 2023. Like, ballpark restrictions have been over for. Two plus years now? Maybe it was his own restrictions. I guess. 
I mean, you still see some people with masks and things like that. You do. Maybe he's got a compromised immune system. WTF he, Wouldn't he be wearing a mask? Why is Lance yeah. Erlein calling me in the middle of the show? Oh, it's not a good move, Lance. It's Lance's world, and we're just living in no it. No doubt. I'll call <laughs> him back during the break. Yeah, he doesn't wait for a break. He's going to call you now. Yeah, maybe he's not going to work tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe he sprained his ankle on the disc golf course in these wet conditions, and he, he's not going to be able to make it into tomorrow's show. I don't know. Yeah, it's a bad look whenever you claim to be Marlins man, and that is your name, Marlins man, and you are at a different baseball game as your Marlins are playing in the playoffs. That's tough. That you, was, can't, uh, you can't just, do that. And even like even if you get stuck in the city – Maybe you sell your ticket to the game. That way, no way realizes that you're there. That's true. Yeah, like you just got to be able to pivot. But he also like claims he's very rich and wealthy, and that's why he can do all these things. Yeah. If you're that rich and wealthy, then you change your flights and you buy a new yeah. ticket because yeah, he bounces you, around. You see him at other games, and he's trying to be also, like Jim. But how do, you, just in general, how do you get rich and wealthy though? Like you, you squeeze pennies. You're very frugal. You're not somebody who just like you spend a lot, but a you're not giving game. away money. But it's a playoff so game. You, you can resell them. No, I mean, some of the most frugal people in the world. Are True, the but there's also the ones that just kind of walked into a great thing and it turned out great for them. Sure, there's some of those, but there's also the other really wealthy people that aren't going to let any sort of like value go to waste. That wouldn't like just I'm going to throw away three thousand dollars on airfare. No, I'm going to still do it because if I don't do it now, I feel like I lost a bunch of money. I get it. But Wouldn't you have not? You, you would have refundable tickets. Or you also, like if you know your know. team's going to be a PJ, you know, private jet. But it's also just unintelligent rich. because, like, you know, your team if they make the playoffs. Because first of all, there's a big if. Like they didn't know for sure. They thought they might have to play that game on Monday night, the one inning of baseball. They ended up not having to do that. So you had all these weird circumstances. You should wait to buy your flights and tickets until you know where they're going to play. Especially because yeah. he clearly gets his tickets on the secondary market. Like it's not like he gets like he doesn't have season tickets behind home plate of every stadium, so like he could have waited. Uh, next story I have: a woman has been arrested for attempted murder. This one's actually Uh-oh. attempted murder. I saw this because she got caught on video by her husband pouring bleach into his coffee. Isn't this a, isn't this a slightly older story? It's like a, like a month or so. Oh, because I think I saw it on the Today Show where they they have the actual home camera. What do they have? Like yeah. a, a babysitter camera, or whatever. Yeah, it's like up top. Yeah, and you can and like see her pouring in the bleach. kitchen, and Tough. they can see her doing that. Yikes! I question her intelligence too. Like I don't 100%. think this is the best way to try to kill her husband, especially if like I, mean, I understand that you're trying to Autopsy. be you're Pretty. trying yeah that. Plus, like, you're going to taste the coffee. Like, I imagine if there's bleach in my coffee that, it's, yeah, that you'll know that I'm going to be like, OK, I'm not taking another sip of this. Something severely wrong. Um, I don't think this is the best way to do it. I know she's trying to be like obscure. She's trying not to get caught. Bleach and coffee to me is not the way to go. No, but you it's your house and you know, there's cameras also like you're not probably have something to do with whether it be nanny cam or baby cam you know the cameras are up there i bet you the cameras were pointed towards the coffee though like it was right it was yeah, they're like the well, whole kitchen. i think i think they changed it though i think she i think the guy that suspected that oh her he wife, pointed yeah i think that he changed That's the way possible. it was pointed possible because I, like she's not gonna go and just like pour bleach into coffee knowing that she's on camera I I think that he went in there and changed the view of the camera to now make it where it's on the coffee pot to see. Uh, and that's how that she got busted. Because it wasn't, I mean, this wasn't like the first time. Like, it happened a few times, if I'm not mistaken. Like, it was a few I, I think she tried it a couple of different times. But I think the other thing is, is if they do an autopsy, it's going to be pretty easy to figure out, like, if he's got bleach in his system. Yeah, it would be hard to prove her, I guess, unless they have her on camera, which they do. Pretty brutal. 
Pretty he, brutal he, way he, to kill somebody. He survived. Try to kill somebody. He survived, right? Yeah, he's good. Yeah, yeah. he turned her in. Okay. Uh, last one I got here. I'm gonna. For, I'm gonna. We're gonna talk about this here. I'm gonna talk about this one here. I did not prep you guys for this, so if you feel like you don't want to participate in the conversation, I understand. Um, it's been very clearly reported now that Molly Knight lied about everything when she reported about Trevor Bauer. Oh, yeah. In the lawsuit and everything that has come out since, which Trevor Bauer, if you want to watch it, put out the video. I watched Like, it. it is documented that The Athletic had the woman's medical records and that she did not have a fractured skull. And she reported it anyways, that it existed. Like, we all look bad, to be honest. Everyone in sports media and fans looks bad because... 90% of people, if you did talk about it, were going to be Trevor Bauer's a terrible person. I'm on that side. But now the evidence is so clear. Like, I don't want to stand up for him because he's still a sucky person, I think. But I think that has a lot to do with how people drew their conclusions, too. Yeah. Because I think, you know, remember now, the Dodgers team and their alumni that were coming back for a weekend said, if he's on the roster, if he's still on the team, we ain't coming and the, and the, the coming back. And, the, and Dave Stewart was leading that charge. And then the guys in the dugout said, we don't want him back regardless of how the court case goes. But, you know, I, I, I watched the video. It's hard not to believe that he got screwed over here as yeah. much as he's been, like you said, a pretty bad person. Yeah, there's always the two sides to it, right? And this was the Trevor Bo- Trevor Bauer side. Like, I'm, I'm curious, like, what the, you know, all the details are. I'm curious what was, like, in Discovery, all of that. Like, it is kind of... I think revealing that they both settled and, and didn't exchange any sort of monetary value. You know, some of the stuff that Bauer alleges, like the well, he's worth a lot of money. I got to make sure I get that money. Things like that. Like that's pretty criminal. They had the text. They yeah. I mean, if Bauer could have continued the lawsuit though if he really wanted to like take it all the way up the ladder in the whole like you know judicial system, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if what Bauer alleges is true, this is awful. Like, it, it doesn't make me feel bad for ba- for Bauer. Kind of, honestly. Yeah. Like, if Bauer's totally just- innocent in all of this, uh, yeah, I think he's a scumbag. Yeah, I think he's a terrible person in all of this stuff. But if Bauer's story is 100% true, I feel bad that Bauer's not pitching in Major League Baseball. Will he pitch again? Will this save him? Will he be? He, will good- he get a second, I don't, second chance? I don't think so. No matter what. I don't think so. He's also been pretty bad as a pitcher. He was bad wherever he was pitching in Japan or wherever it was. Right. But, hey, is this the same Molly Knight? That's not the, the, the reporter that was on Twitter always hammering the Astros. Oh, it I'm is. Like, it's That's the her. same person? It's her. Really? And now she's got the private account and, like, yeah. I, that I did not know. Yeah, Molly, know Molly Knight's person. the one that's always coming at the Astros. Yeah, yeah she always. had a book out that, where yeah. she was ripping and she was always ripping always. the Astros. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't I thought that was some rando that Trevor Bauer had that Yeah, I did too. I didn't know no, no, you just said No, that. it's no, the, the it's a rando. Molly Knight's part of this is that she reported Oh, she was the reporter. Oh, I thought you were yeah. saying no, she's, no, the, she's no, the female no, no, with the, Trevor Bauer. The female is a, is a random girl who like in those texts says that Trevor Bauer was her next target. Yeah. But Molly Knight, the reporter, she said and she broke the news that supposedly this girl had a fractured skull, but in Discovery, he shows, like in some of these videos and other stuff he's put out, that The Athletic had her medical records that show that that fractured skull did not exist. They had the whole video, too, that Bauer showed. Yeah, where she and, was- like, and they had all that information, and they still let her report it, which she did quietly get fired from The Athletic. She works for someone else now. I wonder... That's crazy. Like, crazy story. You can't like that's just like some my, of the worst journalism I've ever heard. 
Yeah, my que- my big question is: Is he ever plays again? Because I think a team now is going to be open to bringing him in. I don't think so. I feel like a spring training invite is on the table. I don't think so. Like that's he's toxic and he's not good enough currently at the moment to bring in a toxic person. I even still if, wonder. Like, yeah. It's not fair. Even if it's not I, fair, I wonder if clubhouse toxicity. the clubhouse vibe is because he is exactly. still the guy that like threw the temper tantrum and threw the ball, ball over the center wall. field. He's still the guy that had to miss the World Series in 2016 because he's cut his finger on a drone instead of preparing for a game. Like he is still like this guy that like even through all of this he is an obnoxious. He got into it for, like, getting into it and, like, I don't know if it was threatening or whatever with underage girls on Twitter. That was publicized, too, and they had the receipts on that. Yeah. But I go, you know, some of these writers that came out after Schilling did what he did with Wakefield last week. And and the writers said, you know, Barry Bonds was an a-hole and all these other guys didn't have a very good reputation across baseball. There was no one bigger than Kurt Schilling. And Kurt Schilling was still pitching for teams throughout his career to where I think Trevor Bauer is going to get another shot. Schilling was pitching really well. He wasn't He's giving a Hall of Famer. seven ERA in Japan. Like that. That to me is the the, the, the huge X factor well, here. But if Bauer was still lights out, I think it's he like, gets a shot. It's He's like a Ray Rice terrible, thing. Why like, do you touch him? Like there are guys in the NFL who have done terrible things, but they produce, so the NFL gives them another shot. But like Ray Rice, when the video came out, he never played again. But also, he was averaging like 2.3 yards per carry and wasn't good anymore. So at some point, yep. like your performance. It completely like outweighs all the negatives, and that's why like, with Bauer, like I just don't know. I he, think he someone. Will, I think they'll watch him in the off season. I think a lot mentally and otherwise goes into everything he was dealing with, and and yeah, he didn't look good in Japan. Someone will give him a spring training invite, or someone will look at him going into spring training. I think I would have uh, if I'm Bauer. I would have kept the lawsuit against the uh, the alleged woman just so it all came to light. It all played out in the courtroom. I would have went that route instead of settling with the whole deal and then all of a sudden come out with the video. Uh, just what I would have done. Uh, the Rockets' mindset. Is the rebuild over? That's what they're thinking. But is it? 713-780-ESPN. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. The Killer Bees. What about the murderous Jays? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three Jays. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and Murderous Jays. The Rockets' mindset is that the rebuild is over. Day two, training camp in Lake Charles on the campus of McNeese State. The Cowboys of McNeese State. Do you think that the Rockets' rebuild is over, Blankers? Um, I, I don't. I think that... The foundational pieces seem to be in place. They're taking it to the next level, but I think that there are pieces that are probably still to be obtained for this team to be in a position to have sustained winning for multiple years. Um, And so for that reason, I'll say no. I don't think it's there yet. I think that there's a lot of progress. They are closer but I don't think that they are yet. But as much as you were able to add some veterans this year, and you know, and the bank account was open because you got a lot of things off the books, I think that there's still more to do in terms of establishing and getting whether it's another a veteran bigger bigger player, uh, and still seeing the development of these young kids. You don't know if any of them are going to pan out to be worthy of where you took them, or the kind of a lot of people in their evaluation of the players when they came out of college. This is a big year for a lot of people because Adoka and his coaching staff working with these kids, we may find out who Jalen Green can truly be or, or see how far he can go to find out what is you know what is Jabari Smith going to be consistently in this league. 
um, and, and those kind of things. So I don't think it's over with yet. To me, it, rebuild is kind of a mentality. Like it's kind of where you're at as an organization. Like okay, we we are going like Luno with the Astros. We're gonna get rid of all the veterans. We're gonna cut salaries. We're gonna build through the draft. We're gonna have all these young players, and that's how we're going to eventually win. And same thing with the Texans. Like Casario wouldn't tell you that, but when you hire David Cully in the second year, you basically have Lovey Smith as your interim head coach. You're cutting ties with a lot of different people. You're getting high priced veterans out the door. You're building through young young players that you're excited about like that's when you're going through a rebuild but the mentality changes kind of like the the Houston Texans mentality changed whenever they hired D'Amico Ryans when they got super aggressive on draft day like they their mentality when they hired D'Amico made that aggressive trade on draft day was okay we're not rebuilding anymore now everything we're trying to do is to win football games each and every week and that is the forefront of our mind that wasn't the forefront of their mind when they had Cully when they had Lovey it's same thing whenever they had Steven Silas with the Rockets the winning was not the most important thing every single night. It's let's get a really good draft pick. Let's try to win it. Let's get the, you know, Wimbanyama. It turned out to be a Men Thompson. Uh, Jalen Green, build through the draft. Bring these young players in. The moment that they hired Ime Adoka and then made the free agency moves of Van Vliet, whenever they brought in um, Dylan Brooks from Memphis, their mentality went from this is a rebuild, this is we're trying to lose some games so we can get better you know, ping pong balls, draft lottery, things like that. That. And then also the caveat that the Rockets don't have their first round pick, top four protected, going to Oklahoma City. So I think all of those things, the mentality for the Rockets is we are win, try to win as many games as we can every single night. I don't think that they have the rebuild mentality anymore. I think that they're still looking, and obviously Udoka is the kind of coach that they are going to be pressing forward and, and, and focused on winning every game. And, and I think he's going to make a huge difference. But I think that there is still, especially in the front office, there's still an eye on if they are, a, you know, if they struggle, if they are a little still a, a year away, that that draft that that draft pick is still something that they will look at, and, and that could be in the consideration. But I think that again, still you're you're hovering around 500, or you know, you're you're not hoping to get into the play-in game. I think the rebuild continues. I think that it continues in a different way. A lot of the things that are also going to be centered around, you know, the, the intangibles. Do you have your picks? What do you have to work with cap space and otherwise? But I think that they need another veteran or two. I, I think that I don't know what they have in terms of the young players they've drafted. So I think it's 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 in progress. It's work in progress, but I don't think it's over. Here are a couple of uh, nuggets coming from training camp. Jonathan Fagan had these quotes from Ime Adoka. Uh, talking about how the mindset's going to be different with this organization, with this team. Adoka said, we had a 28-minute film session. I showed them clips and numbers from the past three years, what we want to avoid, what we want to get better at. The main thing I stressed is effort and execution. It's kind of amazing that effort is the thing that you're stressing to a professional team. Like You would think that a professional basketball team would have effort. So I found it kind of funny that the main thing he is stressing is effort and execution. I do think that Ime Adoka is going to you know, be very tough on these guys. I kind of like the old school nature of Ime Adoka. One of the other things he said, numbers were ugly, to be honest, the last few years. Uh, when you rank 25th to 28th in a lot of categories, there's a lot to improve on and grow. I've kind of hit them right between the eyes in areas we struggled in the last few years. 
and where we want to get them better. That's one thing that I like about Adoka is like he's not shying away with how bad this team has been in the last few years. He's not shying away with telling his team how bad this team has been the last few years. Look, I mean, you kind of have to be realistic with the players and look, we, we got to get better in this area. We got to get better in this area. I, I think it's kind of D'Amico-y. Like, hey, I'm going to be transparent with you. I'm going to be honest with you. We got to get better in these spots. And if you're not going to get better at these spots, we're probably going to get rid of you. I, I think the good thing about uh, uh, Odoka more than anything else, too, is he's a communicator. But you know who's in charge from day one. And I think before camp got started, it was evident because on media day, you heard Jalen Green talking about the fact that he's tired of losing, that he knows he's got to be better, that club med days are over with. Silas was a guy that we all could point out and say, what is he actually doing? How is he working with these kids, making them better? What offense is he running? How are you teaching defense so they don't continue to make the same mistakes? Without saying his name, Ime Adoka has come out basically and said this was a, a bleep show for the last couple years, and it's over with. And it's now time to really tighten the screws and find out what you guys have on the inside to make you the player that you need to be for me to put out there on the outside. And I think that that's the greatest thing about comparing these two franchises, much like what you said and we've talked about with D'Amico. You got a guy that head and shoulders, clear cut as day, is the leader and the decision maker in that franchise now. And his way is going to be a very, very tough highway co- compared to what these kids that have been in this system for the last several years under Silas. Yeah, Doka's the basketball voice of the room. It's the way it should be. And I, I credit the the Rockets' management, too, for getting out of the way of that. Like, Rafael Stone can't get in the way of Adoka being the basketball voice. Nick Casario can't get in the way of D'Amico Ryans being the football voice. And I, I don't think that they are, which is good. 713-780-3776. Out to the HRNP listener line for Travis. Travis, you're in the hive. What's up, Travis? Hey guys, y'all said that the uh, their number one pick at the end of this year will go to Oklahoma, but don't we have a pick from uh, Brooklyn for the Harden trade? They do. I believe that they do. I believe that they have. Yeah, that they. I think they control the Brooklyn pick, but their own pick uh, goes to Oklahoma City unless it's top, it's top four protected. So. Uh, I, I think that when you're talking about it, too, I mean, a lot of people are hoping if they're bad that they get their own pick. They don't have their own pick. If Brooklyn's really bad, you can hope that Brooklyn is bad because I believe I read that a couple different times uh, that they have Brooklyn's pick, and I can look it up for you. But regardless, I mean, when you're looking at what they have and what they're trying to do, short of getting a top-four pick, I don't think you need that many more of the younger players. I think you're going to need to season this roster with some more veterans and get the kind of guys that Udoka wants that are willing to do the you know the down-in-the-dirt kind of things, play both ends of the court. Look, for every time that he had you know Brown and Tatum and the guys he had with the Celtics, he had guys like Williams and he had you know even a Marcus Smart and guys that were going to do the dirty work that didn't care how many points they scored. I think that's where he's trying. He'll still be filling in pieces. Yeah, Rockets do have Brooklyn's pick next year, unprotected too. So if Brooklyn just absolutely lays an egg, uh, that would be great. That'd be great for the Rockets. You're kind of looking at that pick like you look at the Cleveland Browns pick. You, you hope that those mm-hmm. two teams are awful. Ben oh, Simmons made 10 free throws in a row today at practice. Cool. <laughs> Here's one more for Adoka. We know how much we struggled the last few years. A big part of the film session today was uh, I put the numbers 17, 19, and 22 up there, and that was the win totals from last few years how do we take a huge step up from that we want to be a different team and have teams know when they play us it's not the same as the last few years i'm very intrigued to see what the houston rockets look like uh this coming season i'm intrigued to see if this adoka effects has them on the verge of being a team that's uh, in the play-in you know, they have the veterans they have some young pieces see how they all come together 713-780-ESP and have the texans busted that same old texans label if not 
What is it going to take for them to bust the same old Texans label? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.